Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. All right, welcome back. It is another edition of the Coaching Chatter Podcast here on the Believe Podcast Network, the number one podcasting network for professionals. Joining me, as always, is my two co-hosts, fresh off of uh, purchasing brand new microphones, Craig uh, taking advantage of the deals on Amazon, and, and Kurt rummaging through some boxes that his uh, that hail left behind. Uh, it's Kurt Page and Craig Ladd. How you guys doing? Doing well, Corey. I, I had to pull the pull the trigger as uh, I had uh, some friends of mine that listened to the podcast. So like sounded like I was doing it from the bathroom in the bathtub. So uh, I think it was time to to pull the trigger on something. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, yeah. There's okay. only so much. There's only so many effects I can put on you. Um, <laughs> you know, sometimes you just got to upgrade that microphone. Well, we upgraded to Hell Page Left Behind microphone. He's glad we're using. He's in. He's out in Utah, in Provo, Utah, the home of Brigham Young University. So uh, we are going to be using this microphone and getting the coaching chatter going. All right. Yeah. Tell Coach Sataki I said hello. So I uh, got a lot on tap, but you can find us. Uh, you can find us all on Twitter. Uh, find me at, at CoachBurton36. You can find Craig at DCraigLad. And you can find Kurt at KurtPage629. Uh, find me on Instagram at Burton.Corey. Find, uh, find these other two at those same handles on Instagram. And you can always find us on Facebook. You can also follow us. We're brought to you by Soar Athletic Training. You can find that uh, on Facebook, Soar Athletic Training. You can find it at Soar Athletic Training on Twitter. And uh, are you guys on Instagram yet? Yes. Yes. Okay, so Soar Athletic Training on Instagram as well. Um, Also, the hometown team, Keller Williams Realty, also uh, is a great sponsor for this show. Kenny Salas handles all your realty needs in Wilson County. And and I bet if you asked him and and you said, uh, go Tigers, and you spelled it G-E-A-U-X, he'd probably reach outside of Wilson County for you and help you out with with purchasing your next home or your dream home. He just sold some some house that I thought was... uh, kind of ridiculous for for Wilson County. So he's doing big things out there and, and you know what? He's a badass. So uh we, we we like the we like the sponsor there. The hometown team. Hometown team six one five dot com. Kenny Salas is your guy. His team, they do a great job. So lots to talk about. Uh signing day was yesterday. Now it's not the same signing day that we all used to get excited for in years past where you know the first Wednesday in February was always that national holiday. I always took off work. Uh, if I wasn't working when I was working for rivals, that was like the Super Bowl for us. Um, and even when I started teaching, I would take that day off um, and and just enjoy the signing day festivities. Now with the early signing period, it kind of took the luster and the shine off the regular signing day. So, but nonetheless, there's always uh, some good stuff happening uh, this this signing day and some other big event. Uh, 
that's happening this weekend. I don't know if you guys have heard of it. Maybe it's the the Super Bowl. Um, yeah, that's happening. Uh, the Chiefs take on the uh, Buccaneers. We'll get into that a little bit. Chiefs are three-point favorites. We'll get into some of the props, too. I, I'm, I might dive into some prop betting this year. So that'll be fun. And uh, So let's get right into it, guys. Uh, National Signing Day. Uh, big surprise. Alabama finished with the number one class again. Anybody shocked at that? I'm not, uh, you know, uh, it's incredible what he does as in he being Saban on, on the recruiting trail. I, you know, I can remember early on in, in 2020, uh, Tennessee was getting commitments left and right. They were up in the top three and here was Alabama down in the fifties. People want to know what's going on with Alabama. What's going on with Alabama. But you know, there they are at the end, number one, and and a lot of people are saying that this may be the best class he has ever brought into Alabama. I mean, it's just it's incredible what he's been able to do there to sustain what he's done. His recruiting is is off the charts, not only in Alabama, but you know he he's getting guys in Texas, he's getting guys in uh, Florida. I, I mean, all over California, I mean, Maryland. It. Yeah, yeah, I mean, everywhere. It doesn't matter. He seems to pluck who he wants, and and you know what's so funny? I've been so conditioned. You know, I, I see that they sign a three-star guy. And I, and I think to myself, wow, uh, rivals must've, they must've done a bad job of evaluating him. If, if Saban signed a three-star guy. Yeah. He signed a couple of those guys, but one of those guys is a Juco defensive back from, uh, from East Mississippi, Kyrie Jackson. Um, and then the other three-star you're talking about is from Montgomery, uh, and Quan Barnes, uh, defensive tackle. He is a six, five, three, 10, uh, from uh, from Robert E. Lee High School there in Montgomery, dude's a beast, man. I don't see how they. Uh, I mean, I guess they got a. I guess they they can't all be five stars, but I mean, man, this guy is going to be. Uh, he's going to be a special talent there for for the for the Crimson Tide. Well, I think Alabama just. I mean, when you bring in those three stars and they work out every day with four and five stars, you know that that just increases your, you know, your productivity. I think your your development grows and your you're just overall player. Uh, it's going to be better and better. So uh, it's going to be uh, the rich get richer. And Ohio State being number two, Clemson number three. So here we go. So they're going to be back in the show for the next few years as everybody has talk, thought about. Now what stands out to me is, you know, ever since the the emergence of the explosive high-powered offense that Saban decided it, it, it was time to unleash – they have been on a tear signing wide receivers, and and uh, that did not slow down this year. They they signed four of the top ten receivers in the country. Uh, they signed a five nine hundred seventy pounder. I guess they're trying to recreate Devonte Smith with JoJo Early. Uh, they signed uh, Christian Leary and uh, Jacory Brooks and and Agui Hall. I'm pretty sure I mispronounced that, uh, but uh, Jacory Brooks from IMG. Uh, big six three target uh, Hall is the six uh, two target from Valricchio, Florida, and then you have a five nine guy, and of course Christian Leary is a five ten guy. So they got a couple slot guys, a couple outside perimeter guys, and they're just reloading guys. And and that that really stood out to me just how impressive their O line class was, how impressive their wide receiver class is, um, and just kind of what they were able to do 
nationwide. Well, you, you know, you, the, the first two guys I, I you look at here, uh, their top two recruits are number one and number two as far as offensive tackles go, and J.C. Latham and, and Tommy Brockermeyer. I mean, they're one and two at offensive tackles. So, uh, obviously, uh, he, he knows where to, to build from. And, you know, they, they sign also, you know, they, Najee Harris is leaving. They sign a five-star running back. You know, in the in 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 the Wheaton kid out of Garland, Texas. So I mean, he's getting guys from everywhere. You know, they got a defensive tackle, Damon Payne from Michigan. I mean, it goes on and on. And and you know, as I look through here, Sark has got to be sick. As I look it through here and see at least six guys from the state of Texas that signed with Alabama. And that, that's one of the things, you know, you talk about closing your borders. Uh, that's one of the things he's going to have to do in order to uh, to succeed at Texas. Because, I mean, you know, Alabama has gone in there and just plucked out who they've wanted. Exactly. Well, Bama's Bama. and Go ahead, Kurt. No, I was just going to say, also, some of my borders, I mean, look at – uh, two years ago, they got Minchie out of Canada. So they go, they'll go anywhere and go get the best players, best prospects. And, you know, you guys are exactly right. Sark has got to close the door there for uh, University of Texas and get those guys. And uh, it's a, as you guys know, it's a two, three-year process. So yeah. uh, it's going to take him a little while. It's going to take him a while to get in those homes. But maybe he's been already recruiting some of these guys and having the West Coast influence that he's got. Maybe he can, he can uh, make, uh, make some hay with some three and four stars in the near future. Yeah, I mean, losing the Brockemeyer brothers were that that was that was a tough beat for uh, for Texas and even Texas A and M. So, but you know, like I said, Alabama's Alabama. They're going to do their thing. Nick Saban. Uh, it, it's it's pretty obvious that uh, no matter what parts are in there, that machine's going to run just as good. Uh, so, Kurt, uh, you used to coach at Texas A and M. They had a great great day uh, recruiting wise. They finished fourth overall in the Rivals.com rankings. Uh, they got their four-star kid at quarterback, Connor Wegman. Uh, they also had a three-star, uh, Haynes Keen. Haynes King. God, the, these names are killing me. Um, and then uh, Eli Stowers in December. So at one point, uh, you know, they, they also got a, a five-star running back, LJ Johnson. Uh, and, and they just, you know, their class was, was outstanding, just littered with four and five stars, uh, 23 total signees. They got, uh, you know, and, and they did really well in the state of Texas. They did really well in Miami, too. They were able to pull uh, a running back, Amari Daniels, out of Miami. They were able to pull a wide receiver, you Keith Brown. Uh, they were able to go up into Philly and, and pluck somebody. Uh, and then Oklahoma, and, and uh, actually they were able to pull an offensive lineman, 6'7", 275, out of Fort Collins, Colorado. And then they got a kid from Brooklyn, so – you know they're they're displaying a little bit of nationwide, a little bit of national recruiting as well. Jimbo has really got some things rolling. Kurt, what do you think I, about their class? I think it was outstanding. You know, with the uh, SEC only schedule and, and those guys being on the on the TV as much as they were, you know, uh, they turned that into paradise. You know, they basically went after guys and got into homes uh, due to the COVID that they. Uh, might not have been able to get into earlier, you know, with, with a lot of the programs in the certain states that you mentioned, uh, the state colleges there uh, really lacking support and lacking uh, good seasons. And Texas A&M was, uh, you know, just really one early game uh, 
big score against Alabama getting in the playoffs. And who knows if they could have gotten the playoffs if they, they were a pretty hot team at the end of the season. So Jimbo Fisher has them uh, tracking the right way. And, uh, you know, it's going to be outstanding because uh, with the West and, and, and those guys having the, the top talent in there now, and they're in the SEC. So that's what Sark. Sark's got to really, um, you know, it's hard to defeat the SEC because the kids want to play against the best. And everybody knows Alabama's got the best. So year in and year out, Texas A&M is going to get to play the best. And that's the University of Alabama. So Sark's got his work cut out to be the Texas recruiter and to get that done. But uh, let's hope he can get some of those players and get some development going. Because uh, we all know the West is very, very strong. Right, Craig? With all the West and all the recruiting they're doing. Yeah, now, Kurt, uh, look, let's look at the quarterback position here for the Aggies. They got they got quite a situation here. They, they signed in last year's cycle – um, I misspoke just a minute ago. Haynes King from Longview, Texas. They signed him back in the last class. Then, uh, as an early enrollee, this signing class, they signed Eli Stowers uh, from Denton. And then they have Connor Wegman committed for the class of 2022. So they're going to have quite a quite a quarterback battle on their hands. Uh, you have a th- you have a talented three star in King. You have a dual threat guy in Stowers. I I think. To me, I, I think with uh, with there being a fresh spot for for somebody with Kellen Mond leaving, I mean, I, I kind of like the dual threat guy Eli Stowers a little bit because, or Eli Stowers, however he pronounces his name, uh, because I, I think that's kind of what works for Jimbo. I, I think he kind of likes a guy that can run a little bit and can throw. So, it you know, to me, Kurt, it's going to come down to who can pick up the offense and who can pick up the little nuances of, of the scheme. I think you're exactly right in the RPOs and the things they're going to do. The quarterbacks, you know, they're going. Jimbo Fisher's going to use those legs. You know, that's how you. That's how you win it. That's a winning quarterback nowadays. And uh, you know, the dual threat or just a guy that can create space in the pocket for himself—that'll be the big thing. And then also command of the offense, as you mentioned, these guys are going to have to uh, be smart operators on the line of scrimmage, getting them into good because uh, he's not afraid to run the ball, and he knows running the ball is a key to winning. And uh, so they're going to be checking into some good runs and that type of thing. So they got to be a complete quarterback. And that's what he really had with Kelly Mon. And uh, he had an outstanding day at Senior Bowl. So he, he's primed himself into being a professional quarterback uh, under Jimbo Fisher's tutelage. And, uh, you know, that's just par for the course. Jimbo's a great guy developing those guys at quarterback. So it's going to be real interesting with the guys on campus for spring football and uh, the development of those two and see who can capture the most. So uh, look for a great race from those two quarterbacks. Craig, do you have anything but, to add on this quarterback battle? Well, you know, obviously they, they've got a big hole to fill uh, come uh, the, the fall uh, because, uh, he, you know, he, he had an outstanding year. I think he he was the key to their team and, and was uh, – you know, I really played a lot better than I thought that he would play. I thought he was very smart this year in the past. He'd been uh, a little wild and a little uh, inconsistent, but I really thought he settled into the position this year. Didn't hurt his team, was efficient. And so, you know, it's hard to lose. You know, it's tough to replace a senior quarterback. Right. It is. It, it really is. And, and uh, you know, he- Either one of these, either one of these guys are going to have some growing pains. That's that's pretty obvious. And so, I just think you got to you got to go with the guy that's going to that can get you out of trouble uh, with his legs. And I, I think that's going to be Eli Stowers. Uh, 
I think it's going to be his job to lose. So, yeah, I agree with you uh, on on all those accounts. So, uh, looking at uh, looking down at uh, one of the, you know, it, it's it's disappointing because they're normally in the top five, uh, but they finished all the way at twenty eight this year. My how the mighty have fallen. The Florida State Seminoles finished at twenty eight. That's something that you don't see. But one of their biggest recruiting wins actually does not count against or does not count for their uh their signees it's grad transfer quarterback mckenzie milton what kind of an impact can he make in tallahassee i think it's going to be a huge huge playmaker i mean this guy has got proven proven stats proven games and he's made them in big game big times and uh he had a horrific injury but as far as we know he's rehabbed that injury and he's ready to go they also got a running back from auburn uh, williams uh, dj williams so he's transferred into that running back room they're going to have uh, they've got a, a running back room is improving, and I know the quarterback will be much improved with that guy playing that position. Uh, so uh, depending on how they play early in the season, if they can play mistake-free, and let's hope that uh, McKenzie, you know, with being the, the experience he's got, that he'll, he'll take care of the football and, and not put him in harm's way and, and do a good job as leader. And uh, that'll be an exciting thing because we know he can play, and he's got very good accuracy. And he's been a winner uh, at UCF, and uh, you know he's had a horrific injury and uh, in- injury, and he was not, was not able to get back and get his position. So he's going to go elsewhere with the they grad just transfer. Gotta, Craig, they just got to keep him upright, and th- they only signed one offensive lineman in this. No, two offensive linemen in this cycle: a six-three-two-eighty-five interior guy, and they signed a six-seven-two-eighty-five tackle from Gadsden, Alabama, Rod Orr. So. What is Florida State going to do up front? Well, I'll say this. The, the quarterback position was woeful for them uh, this past season. They just could not do anything. And, you know, you look at overall, you know, I, they're behind, obviously, Clemson. They're behind North Carolina. They're behind Miami. So, right now, they're at fourth at best. And I and I would argue they're not, not even fourth. They've got a lot, lot of, a lot of gaining to do to get back up to that upper echelon uh, in the ACC and also in the in the country. Uh, and it's not going to happen this year. It's going to take some. It's going to take better than twenty eighth in the recruiting rankings for them to get back up to that point because they're they're down they're down in the pack right now. Oh yeah, they're 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 a middle of the road ACC team and. That's not something you're used to seeing out of Florida State, and it's uh, it's pretty crazy. But uh, you know, I, I think they uh, their class headlined uh, Destin Hall, wide receiver from New Orleans, six one, uh, four star kid. Um, Malik McLean uh, from IMG, four star kid, six five target. Uh, so I mean, they got they got some potential weapons, um, but yeah, I mean, they they've just got to have somebody up front that's going to block for them and. Uh, be able to open up holes in the run game and be able to protect and keep McKenzie Milton upright. So they got a long way to go. Uh, that's uh, that's for sure. So let's let's jump up the road. I mentioned New Orleans. Let's jump up the road to LSU. Now, uh, what's disappointing for LSU is they finished third in their division. What's not disappointing is that was good for fifth best in the country. So you're looking at you know a lot of people are looking at well we finished with we finished look looking at LSU or we finished looking at Alabama and Texas A&M normally we're normally we're we're second at worst in the in the division 
Uh, but you know they got a, they got some good uh, they got some good hauls. Uh, Mason Smith, a five-star defensive tackle, uh, one of the headliners of this class. Also, five-star DB Sage Ryan from Lafayette, Louisiana, uh, also another headliner in this class. They got some pretty good talent. They were able to keep some guys intact despite all the turmoil that was going on there. So they're doing something right. I think these hires that Ed Orgeron made is is starting to pay some dividends. I, I think some of these recruits are believing in the hires, Craig. And uh, what, what do you think about what LSU has been able to do with the signing class, given the circumstances. Well, I mean, the one thing that I notice, uh, Corey, is you know the amount of wide receivers they they signed, and I think that's a sign that uh, you know they they've got to get uh, Mr. Johnson some more weapons on the outside uh, because he's going to need them. Uh, I think they signed five wide receivers uh, for December, and then this period, and like I said, they need some they need some playmakers to help him out. Uh, otherwise, you know the 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 defense is going to. Uh, move up and you're not going to be able to stretch the field against them and you've got an outstanding quarterback that's got a lot of he's got several years just going to be just a sophomore this year so uh you know you got to get him some weapons exactly right exactly right craig i think i think having those receivers uh getting in there and they start their uh football school like they do it down in baton rouge so they're going to get things going uh they you know, they're putting guys into the pros, and I think kids recognize that. You know, uh, there's quite a, a number of guys going to be getting drafted that's coming out this year from LSU, and they've already got some in the pros now. So they can see that the wide receivers get developed. And for forever and ever, you know, it was just that one year they had the, the, the miracle season with Joe Burrow on them. But they've, they've had receivers, and they're going to keep it plentiful. And uh, if I'm a quarterback, I'm pretty happy if they got those guys outside, like you said, for – for Max Johnson, and uh, he can he can spin that ball pretty good. So we're looking forward to seeing how he does and keeps it going for the for the guys in the purple. Oh yeah, and they're trying to recreate 2019. That's for sure. Also, uh, they're trying to keep up their tradition of DBU. I'm really excited to see what Sage Ryan can do. Uh, they just have a knack. He, he's a safety. Uh, you know, they kind of you know they're they're trying to kind of get that uh, Grant Delpit vibe going. Uh, Corey Raymond was his uh, lead recruiter there. Um, a lot of people have, were going after Corey Raymond uh, to pluck him out of LSU, decided not to stay. What also impresses me about Sage Ryan is he's a, he's a return guy too, and he's an electric return guy, so he can return punts, kind of like what Honey Badger did for uh, for LSU when he was there. So uh, he can contribute in, in um, multiple phases of the game. Um, and it, Dude's just a playmaker, and, and he's uh, – you know he he's a hitter. He he's not scared to uh, to come down on the run. He's scrappy and uh, he can make some things happen, uh, especially in the return game. So I'm excited to see what what Sage Ryan can do in that regard. Also, uh, they you know the defensive tackle. So they're they're trying to beef up up front. They're trying to get uh, and and they loaded up on defensive front guys uh, with uh, you know Xavier Carter from Atlanta, uh, Landon Jackson, defensive end from Texarkana. They got themselves a kicker. Uh, they uh, and and so I'm 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 overall I'm impressed with this class. I was kind of disappointed uh, before. Uh, I I didn't you know I didn't really dive when I really dove into their class. They 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 kind of impressed me. So any uh, any final thoughts on LSU before we move on? Great. All right. 
let's let's go let's go to Athens. All right, let's go to Athens now. Not much excitement on signing day yesterday uh, for Georgia. They did most of their damage in December in the early signing period, uh, but you can tell there's a lot of preference on uh, on DBs and offensive linemen. Uh, they were, uh, and then of course uh, that quarterback Brock Vandegrift, five star kid from uh, from right down the road at Prince Avenue. Uh, dynamic playmaker Kurt I'm excited to watch Brock Vandegrift I think he's going to be when he takes the reins over uh, next year or the year after this coming year uh, when when JT Daniels leaves or if God forbid JT Daniels gets hurt you know I think Brock Vandegrift is going to be a special special quarterback I think so too it's good to have that guy he's he's a hometown guy he knows the program he knows, uh, you know, he, he's been around. He's been around the facility for a long, long time, and uh, he'll learn their offense. And I'm sure JT Daniels a, a pass on a wealth of knowledge after playing at USC and then the season he had uh, after he, he established himself as a starter. I think Georgia looks the best going into this uh, 21 season. You know, they've got a quarterback, and, and, and they've got a strong uh, uh, experience that's going to be happening. But the big news is getting the offensive coordinator and then the news, and I'll let you share that news that the guy, the next quarterback that committed, Gunner. So we can talk about that guy. That's that's the real deal, Holyfield, and everybody knows that. So uh, you know, it's good to have Brock in the building, and uh, you know, uh, so it'll it'll be exciting. But let's talk about that guy. Yeah, I mean, that's yeah. What the guy would, so. what what fires me up about both of these guys is they can run. Brock is you know Brock can run. I mean, he's not a run first guy, but. Dude's got some wheels. So does Gunner. Gunner Stockton is, you know, they faced off earlier this this past season. Uh, they were up in, uh, I guess, Rabin County, Georgia, uh, where where Gunner Stockton goes. They they hosted Prince Avenue, and it was when I when when you tell when you say battle, a lot of people misuse that where the it was a battle. No, this one it, it was legit a, a freaking battle, and and uh, it was one of those games. It was back and forth. Both quarterbacks were just making dynamic plays. I mean, it was a high-scoring game. Lots of great, you know. Both these quarterbacks just displayed their talent, their anticipation, their ability to throw dimes to different receivers. Uh, but I mean, that's going to be. I, I can't wait until Gunnar Stockton gets on on campus and to see that that battle between him and Vandegrift and to kind of see just how it all plays out. I, I I mean, honestly, it's a great problem to have, but. I don't know who you pick in that scenario. I mean, Gunnar Stockton is a special dude, but so is Brock Vandegrift, and so you know they're both five star. They're both five star calibers. So it's just a matter of uh, if Gunnar Stockton can come in and and compete and and pick up the offense really quickly, which I think he can. He's a he's a bright kid, so uh, I'm looking forward to that. And and the really big news uh, was actually a 2022 commit again. Uh, they've bolstered their defensive lineman. Uh, their defensive line at the defense tackle position and getting uh, – they, they got a really big commit, literally and figuratively uh, big commit, and that was uh, that was get kid by the name of Bear, Bear Alexander. Uh, Keithan Alexander, he's from uh, he's from Texas, and uh, dude is uh, dude's a five-star, number one defense tackle in the country for that class, um, and uh, it, it was it was outstanding. He's uh, – you know he he gives you everything you need in that defensive tackle position. He's 320 pounds. He can run. He can chase plays down uh, side to side. He he's got a great pass rushing moves. He's going to be hell on wheels. And then they they have a, they add him uh, to Tyree West, and they got quite a one two punch there in the in the defensive line room. 
Well, I mean, you know, that's that's a huge pickup right off the bat. Obviously, it's a long ways away. A lot of things can happen, but uh, you, you don't go ahead and and take that commitment any day of the week. And you know, it's it's so you know, you talk about everybody wants to focus on the quarterback, and that's where the play is. But I think if you talk to any coach, the toughest position to recruit to is defensive tackle because there's only so many of them and everybody's after the same ones. And that makes them so sought after. And when you really get a big time defensive tackle, uh, it makes a world of difference. I mean, look at Alabama. I mean, they have made a living at defensive tackle the way they have been able to pull off star after star and guys in the NFL right now. That's where they've made a living. Uh, That's where he has been, as he is in Saban, has been incredible at being able to evaluate talent uh, along that defensive line. No doubt. No doubt. And the big thing, too, with that recruit and that commitment is, I mean, look at the Super Bowl coming up. Where Tampa Bay Buccaneers have made their biggest progress, defensive line. Defensive line frees up so many areas. It makes the linebacking crew better to second level and the third level of the defensive back. So having those guys as early uh, commits for Georgia, now he's going to be in the state of Texas. And so Sark, I'm sure, is going to know right where that high school's at and uh, probably can look for his for his guys because he's hired some Alabama guys and uh, – they're probably going to be be in there and try to uh, swing him to to the Longhorns, but uh, it's going to be a tough, tough, tough job. But you know that just makes the Georgia Bulldogs that much stronger over there in the SEC East with that type of line play and that outstanding play because it's going to really free up their linebackers. And I know if I'm a linebacker, I'm, I'm liking that. You know, if I'm a linebacker for the Georgia Bulldogs, yeah, no so, doubt. I mean, I, I I'm I'm licking my chops, but yeah, a lot a lot of quiet on the on the. Uh, on the Georgia Bulldog front for uh, for recruiting this year, signing uh, five star def- or five star offensive lineman Amarius Mims play, to, to to come in and play tackle with Jamari Sawyer coming back for his final year. Uh, that obviously makes one uh, tackle spot kind of open competition. So um, look for Amarius Mims to uh, to compete for that. But he's got quite a bit of people to uh, to compete with. Broderick Jones was, I think, clocked as the fastest offensive lineman in, in, uh, at UGA. Uh, they did a speed test where uh, several guys were clocked, and they did the miles per hour. Uh, safety Keely Ringo, uh, who was hurt all year with a shoulder injury, clocked in at 22.6 miles per hour as his constant speed. So... Uh, that's pretty impressive. Uh, I don't know what Broderick uh, Jones was at, but uh, I would love to see that number. So let's look at some more. Uh, I'm, I'm going to rapid fire some of these other schools because I don't think we have time to go through all 14 teams mat- as meticulously as we want. Uh, so let's take a look at some of these other schools. Auburn, uh, interesting uh, recruiting signing period. Uh, they were they finished, I think, 43rd uh, behind Kansas. But given their circumstances, they've had less than two months. They couldn't go out on the road due to covid uh, so, you know, obviously they had a bunch of losses there, but a couple of wins they had was three-star Tavares Dawson and important also uh, Jawan Gaston uh, beating out South Carolina for him and then uh, uh, among others. Then you have Kentucky, who was considered a winner. Uh, they uh, they were able to their, – their big win was uh, Trevin Wallace uh, being able to recruit four-star linebacker Trevin Wallace so they get better at that position. They had a pretty good day considering uh, where they are at. 
Um, also uh, had a great day is Ole Miss. Uh, they signed a four-star defensive tackle, Taiwan Malone. Uh, Lane Kiffin knows the knows the importance of uh, signing those big defensive tackles. We just talked about the importance of that. Your your defense is built from the inside out, and those those tackles can really uh, do some damage. Look at Georgia with Jordan Davis when he was out. Couldn't stop a nosebleed. He comes back in. Georgia's defense miraculously becomes better. Coincidence? Probably not. Uh, we talked about Texas A&M, uh, and then uh, we talked about LSU. Florida, their biggest win, honestly, was probably uh, not in the signing period. They finished 11th overall in the team rankings, but their biggest win was getting Eric Gilbert out of the transfer portal at tight end to replace Kyle Pitts. Uh, but their their biggest recruit was five-star defensive back Corey Collier from down the road in Miami. Uh, and they also had a couple of 6.0 four-stars, uh, uh, which means in the rivals' world they are barely four-stars. But they got a lot of need. They filled a lot of needs, so we'll see what Dan Mullen can do there. Uh, South Carolina finished 78th. Ouch. And Vanderbilt, they actually um finished let's see where Vanderbilt finished they finished uh, Missouri finished at 21st Ole Miss finished at uh, 18 Tennessee uh thanks to the early signing period finished at 17th uh, overall uh, Arkansas finished coming in at 25th Mississippi State at 23rd and then Vanderbilt 34th right behind Kentucky at 33 so a pretty good day for Vanderbilt uh I, I would say this is above their normal signing day average. So out of the rest of the SEC, anything shock you as far as uh, recruiting goes or anything like surprise you or disappoint you? I look for Vanderbilt to be on the rise with Barton Simmons uh, as a general manager for player development and player recruitment. Uh, the guy's been, uh, you know, in his, you know, that he was running for the last decade or so. Uh, he's seen all the talented players. He's met all the coaches. So he's a great uh, get in, in the front office for Clark Lee and the Vanderbilt Commodores. Uh, they were lifelong friends. Uh, they know each other uh, very, very well. And they know he knows the type of defense that Clark Lee wants to run. He knows the type of offense that Clark Lee wants to run. So I think it's a great, great fit. And I think you just look for them to keep rising and uh, look for them to be active in the, in the grad transfer portal. Uh, they have a lot of uh, movement there. Uh, look for their they're, they've been a really good, uh, uh, you know, adding their staff together. And we'll talk about that later, I'm sure. But just getting guys from different parts of the country uh, will really build, bode well for Vanderbilt and their nationwide recruiting. So I'm really happy, happy with Clark Lee. Also, Ole Miss, they landed a couple of guys from Canada, uh, which was very outstanding for them to grab a couple of guys uh, outside the United States. So looking, looking, looking forward just to seeing the SEC. The reach just keeps getting wider and better, and uh, the draft will be coming up, and that'll only help recruiting in the future too. As they continue to dominate the draft, the NFL draft, the SEC will do that. So, Craig, I was impressed with Tennessee um, holding, holding, holding serve, if you will. Well, you know, the, the thing you got to look at here, guys, is how many of these uh, guys are going to stay. Uh, how many are going to ask out of the letter of intent? It's already been reported that. Both Cody Brown, a running back out of Georgia, and also their top recruit, uh, Dylan Brooks out of Alabama, have uh, both uh, are seeking to get out of their national letter of intent. So uh, you got to wonder how many of these guys are going to try to get out of that, and and obviously it's going to deplete the class. Um, you know, 
considering, uh, as you said, they signed one player uh, during this uh, last week, uh, excuse me, this week, and that was a JUCO uh, offensive tackle. So I, I think you're talking about Vanderbilt going to be active in the portal. Tennessee's going to be very active in the portal. They have, they have a lot of holes to fill from uh, transfers. So they're going to be active in that in, in the portal looking around. And, uh, but, you know, it, it, it's going to be tough for them to be able to replenish what they have lost uh, as far as uh, players going, uh, getting into the portal and transferring out. Yeah, you've had your top two running backs, one that be running the ball for the North Carolina Tar Heels, and the, the other guy, Gray, will be going to Oklahoma sooner. So uh, they've got to also get back into that portal and recruit their own. They've got guys from their own building that, that in that portal, and maybe Josh Heupel and his staff, can convince some guys to stay with him. You know, uh, he's going to run the offense that uh, a lot of these kids grew up playing in high school. Corey Burton will tell you that, you know, yep. uh, very familiar with the stuff he runs. So that's going to be exciting kids to see that. Uh, he's got skins on the wall. So, I mean, he's been doing it for a while. Did it, He did it at Missouri. Uh, yes, he got fired at Oklahoma, but he's recreated as an offensive dynamic play caller. And just giving him some time to get some guys in the building and get some recruits, I think he'll put together a great offense and, uh, uh, and we'll see about defensive play. But, uh, you know, they, they've got so much stuff going on that uh, you just hope they get, they get through uh, this dust storm that they're in right now with the NCAA. And hope, hopefully things get settled up really quick and they can get some, get some guys back in the building that maybe haven't totally left the building yet from University of Tennessee. That's Let me I'm just thinking. add this too, guys. You know, he, he's come in at a good time because this 22 class in the state of Tennessee is very, very deep and very strong, led by Walter Nolan out of St. Benedict, who is the number one defensive tackle in the class. And then you got a top-notch uh, a quarterback in Ty Simpson, uh, who's the number two dual quarterback in the country. So those two, and then an outstanding running back out of uh, Murfreesboro and Jordan James, a four-star. So – this class, this 22 class is not, it's top heavy and it's also deep. A lot of four star guys on down the way. So there's a lot of talent here that he's going to have to really go after early and try to get those guys to stay in state. And if I'm Clark Lee wants to make hay, he's going to have to do the same. Absolutely. Yeah, it's going to, that's exactly what I was going to say. I think, I think it's going to be two of the in state schools really going after the in state guys like we've never seen it before. And I think they're really going to pour into all the high school coaches in the state of Tennessee and also the high school players. And you mentioned uh, Ty Simpson. He's the son of the coach at UT Martin. And uh, Coach Simpson, uh, you know, he's, he's been a longtime coach there at UT Martin. And uh, his son has developed into a Division One quarterback. So I look for him. You know, he got another offer just recently from the, the University of Notre Dame. So that that's outstanding. So uh, the kid has a lot of options. and. Uh, I mean, he probably will look really good in black and gold or orange and white. So let's just hope he stays in, in state. Uh, and, I, and I know Arkansas is closer to him than probably uh, Knoxville or Nashville. So uh, that's going to be a, a big pull for him there. And also Ole Miss, they're in the picture for Ty Simpson. So, you know, he's going to have a lot of options there. But you know what? Tennessee with Josh Heupel, they've got a play caller that can get some things done. He's dynamic. He's done it in the SEC. He did it at Missouri. And, uh, you know, he got, uh, he got with uh, Drew Locke and really made that offense go. It was fun to watch. 
uh, it was uh, it was something that was new for Missouri, and uh, it's kind of jumped propelled them into to uh, getting better and better offensive players where they are now. And I know he's going to do the same for Tennessee. So it's going to be exciting to see uh, what happens in the next you know few months and in, in recruiting, and then uh, hopefully we'll see a spring recruiting where these coaches actually can go on campus, leave their campus, and go see these guys. Uh, with COVID, you know, no one knows. You know, that's the thing. It's just, it's just, just un, unforeseen what's going to be happening. But uh, as you mentioned, Craig, a lot of good players in the state of Tennessee. And you know, Simpson is going to be making his commitment. Uh, he's scheduled to make that on February the nineteenth. So, read into that what you want. Uh, is that enough time for him to have uh, developed a relationship with Heupel? Uh, does that mean? Clemson and Alabama. That's the the rumors. It's down to Clemson and Alabama. So it, it's going to be interesting to see where he ends up committing uh, on February the nineteenth. Yeah, that'll be uh, I, I, a lot of people will be on pins and needles. Uh, so, Kurt, what do you think? Uh, they made a uh, Vanderbilt made their hire as an off at, at offensive coordinator. Uh, David, I think Ray, I think is how you say his name. Uh, what do yes, you think about David him? Ray. What what do you know about uh what do you know about Dave? Well, what I do know, you know, he was he was at uh, Ball State a year before that, so Colorado State. So I think he's got a, you know, he'll bring a, he'll bring an electric offense. I think he'll bring a quarterback friendly offense. I, I see them making a lot of progress. Um, we've got a returning quarterback. I think he's going to like that. Uh, they've got a, a good running back returning, got some receivers returning, and and got some tight ends that are maturing. So. It's good that he's going to be stepping in there, and uh, you know, and they also have got a, a, a one of the coaches that's coming from the uh, Arizona Cardinals. I think he's going to be coaching the quarterbacks too, so that'll be a very good thing to get a guy that's been in there, been with Kyler Murray, been in the room with the NFL, and so uh, you know, just to yeah, get it's Joey that Lynch is the quarterbacks guy. Yeah, so so just getting those guys in there, in and around these kids, uh, you know, because uh, development uh, is key uh, when you've got guys that have played. And, and, and the young man that played quarterback, you know, he played an SEC-only schedule, so there were no off weeks. There were, there were no uh, Walfords to play, a Furman or UT Chattanooga, or no 1AA. So uh, I think we'll get back into that. Hopefully we'll get a full schedule in the future. But it's going to be exciting. You know, Clark Lee uh, has a plan, and uh, we're ready to look at the plan and, and assess it and see it going. And I think it's going to be a great thing for Vanderbilt to get those guys. Uh, and they're younger coaches. Uh, you know, and look for them to start uh, running and doing some some exciting things. And and, and uh, I was kind of, uh, you know, I thought we'd have more development going on this year with the coordinator that we had in there from Louisiana Tech, but uh, it just didn't. It didn't seem like it. It jump started, but you know, you know, leadership leadership means a lot. And if your head guy is not the the leader that you need, it's going to affect everything. It's going to affect the offense. It's going to affect the defense. It's going to affect the kicking game, and ultimately affected recruiting, and ultimately affected the whole the whole caboot, the whole staff. So, you know, we got a brand new staff. So we're excited to see Clark Lee getting those guys and getting them going and uh, just developing the room because uh, that's what we got to have at Vanderbilt, and that's what Tennessee's got to have. Uh, you know, all the five stars and the four stars are going to Alabama. A few are going to go to Texas A and M. And then a few are going to go to uh, LSU in the conference, and uh, Georgia's getting their share. So, you know, you got to be a developing coach 
to get the talent developed at Vanderbilt and Tennessee. And uh, let's see how they get it done. Hopefully we'll have a full spring. Both those programs need a full spring. And uh, just exciting to see how this works out because it, it, it's going to be a lot of coaching chatter, a lot of things going to go on. Hopefully, uh, you know, we can go, uh, guys, and, and see University of Tennessee, their spring training. Hopefully, we can go see Vanderbilt as they install their spring training and uh, get back to what we really like doing, and that's getting on the road and watching these guys work and seeing how they develop the, 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 the program itself from the inside out and, and share that with all our people that listen to our podcast. I know they want that information. You know who they need to go see now that, that they come to Nashville. They need to see our guy, uh, Kenny Salas, over at hometown uh, team, Keller Williams Realty, if they want a good house in, uh, in Lebanon. They need to visit hometown team. 615.com uh, look up Kenny Salas and his crew they do a great job um, as always they'll fill all your real, realty needs in the Wilson County area and I bet again if you say go Tigers or if you say something good about the Houston Astros he'll give you he'll he'll uh, he'll give you some good service so uh, visit our friends there so guys we're gonna we're gonna move on uh, we're we're uh, we're gonna put a bow on signing day great great day uh, if you're an SEC school um, if you are the University of Oregon if you're a Ducks fan, you're probably pretty happy. Um, if you are a Michigan fan, you finished in the top ten, you're probably pretty happy as well. So, uh, Also, if you're a Michigan fan, you're probably pretty happy that uh, your quarterback is competing in his tenth Super Bowl looking to win uh, lucky number seven uh, for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers this time instead of the New England Patriots. Well, the Bucks take on uh, – they're at home, but they're not at home – uh, they take on the Kansas City Chiefs and Pat Mahomes. Guys, uh, one of the debates I heard uh, in this whole Super Bowl coverage, um, and it, it comes from Colin Cowherd, and whatever your opinion is on Colin Cowherd uh, is, I guess, neither here nor there, you, whatever you want to say about him. But, um, you know, he brought up an interesting debate and, and, and an interesting hypothetical uh, with, uh, with Andy Reid possibly catching Bill Belichick as the greatest coach of all time. What, what do we think about Andy Reid, the job that he's done in his career, uh, looking to win his second straight Super Bowl, uh, and, and the, the kind of the journey he's been on? Kurt? Well, I think, I think the big thing with Andy Reid is, um, you know, he's had a great career. You know, the guy was at Philadelphia Eagles, had a great run with Donovan McNabb, got to the Super Bowl. But now he's he's uh, he struck gold with Patrick Mahomes. I mean, they went in there to draft and got the guy. And uh, you know, there were a number. I think were I think he was the tenth picks or, or nine. He was ten teams that passed on him or yeah. didn't didn't pick the guy. But he uh, planned. Uh, uh, you know, I can look for uh, you know. It'll be just so interesting to see. Uh, if he can get um, get get everything going with with the plan to get him developed, yeah. What I like, Craig, uh, is the creativity that he brings to the table with the offense, the play designs, uh, just the way that he can get everybody involved. And uh, doesn't seem like he ever does the same thing twice. And so that that kind of impresses me with uh, you know just watching him progress the game the feel of the game that he has and the fact that he's that he's had success with multiple quarterbacks and and two different franchises also impresses me as well uh you look at Belichick he's you know he's without Brady he's had a losing record 
career-wise. So um, you you, you kind of wonder, okay, what is he going to be like post-Brady? Was it all Brady? Was it all Belichick? Andy Reid has proven to you – know, I think he went to – I think he made five straight NFC Championship game appearances when he was with the Eagles. He won one of them uh, going to the Super Bowl. Uh, I think he lost to like – record-breaking teams along that journey, like one of the best defenses in NFL history in the, the 02 Bucks. Uh, I think he lost to the greatest show on turf in one of those games. Um, you know, and, and then I think he it just it just kind of ran into the that that typical buzzsaw of a team every year uh, with uh, with McNabb and them. But you know, he came from a dysfunctional franchise in Philadelphia, so I just thought it was an interesting hypothetical. Craig, what are your thoughts on on this on the situation? Do you, is it still all Belichick, or do, does does this have any credence at all, or is Reed kind of creeping up that list for you? Well, I mean, let's face it, Andy Reed is he is so innovative on offense. The the plays that they run, I, I'm said it was when you were talking. I was thinking about I can't remember now what game it was. It might have been against. Uh, uh, the Bills, where they threw the ball to Kelsey, and all of a sudden, here comes a Tyree Kill out behind him, and he pitches it to him like an option play, and they score a touchdown. Yeah, you know, they were in the inside the 10 yard line, but I mean, it's just he is so innovative uh, in his play calling and in his diagrams, I guess, uh, in, I'll say inventing plays, if you want to say that. I mean, it's in, it's incredible what he's done. And, you know, he, he, he also has a very, very unbelievable gift, uh, sort of like Saban, of being able to assess talent. Uh, Tyreek Hill, uh, you know, who would have – who would have thought he did? He's going to do what he was going to do. You know, anybody could have had him, uh, and he's turned into a superstar. You know, Travis Kelsey, arguably the arguably, I'm going to say no. There's no argument. He's the best tight end in football. He's got a hall. He's could, probably going to be in the Hall of Fame if he keeps this up. And then you got Mahomes. I mean. Uh, you know, really not a lot of hype about him coming out of college. You know, he had some, you know, he had some good numbers, but, you know, a lot of people thought, well, it's that offense he runs with Texas Tech. But, you know, even when he he didn't play that first year, you know, there was rumors coming out about how he was doing well and how they loved him. And, you know, they gave him the reins. They got rid of their quarterback and gave him the reins. And, you know, he's just come out, uh, you know, his first few years uh, have been incredible. You know, they draft Hilaire out of LSU, which is a perfect complement uh, to type of running back they need in that offense. Uh, he just seems to – he presses all the right buttons. Yeah, I mean, he's getting production out of guys like Byron Pringle, um, the corpse of Sammy Watkins. Um, the, he took a discarded Alex Smith and made playoff runs with him. When can when he took over Kansas City, they were abysmal. They they tr- they traded or they got in a trade, acquired through trade, uh, Alex Smith from San Francisco, who said, "Take him, have him, do whatever you want to. You know, you can have him. Great. You know, we, we won't charge you much for him. Good luck. He'll he he might get you one or two games, and he ended up getting him five seasons before they they uh, before he gave way to Patrick Mahomes, and and they got. You know, they kind of got the ball rolling with Alex Smith. They kind of got started with uh, with the Chiefs. That, you know, that was the foundation of the Chiefs that you see now in their second straight Super Bowl. But yeah, I mean, he he's pulling plays out of out of everywhere, man. He looked at uh, a play in the Super Bowl last year against San Francisco. They they pulled a play from the 1942 Rose Bowl from Michigan, 
where they did some single wing like twirl. Everybody like twirls in place, and then all of a sudden they snap it to the running back, and it he just goes like a it's like a I don't know it was weird, but uh, it was like a 1940s play. So it, it's you know just wherever he gets his stuff from, it, it's incredible. Yeah, Corey, I, I think you're you're 100 right. I mean, and the thing that he's got on his staff, uh, his staff development, he's got one staff member. Uh, and I was reading this uh, through, through one of the uh, Instagram accounts that I'm with. The uh, staff member looks at all high school, college, junior pro, semi-pro, uh, XFL, every, anywhere he can get film, any little wrinkle, any little play, any little thing, and they make they, – they, it's called research and development. So they have a repertoire of just plays that they've seen people have run and so then he incorporates that through Eric Bieniemy. I mean, think about it. This Eric Bieniemy guy has been passed over from job after job after job. So, uh, you know, disappointed that he's not a head coach in the league, but just really neat to see the development that he's making because he's doing a lot of talking. You know, you can see him talking. I, I think he's direct direct into the Patrick Holmes helmet. So his his development is happening. Uh, let's don't forget Doug Peterson. Had won a Super Bowl. He was on his staff. Uh, he's had a number of guys. David Culley was on his staff, the newest yeah. coach for the Houston, Texas, and NFL. He was on the staff for the Eagles. He moved to Kansas City. He left Kansas City uh, four years ago, joined the Buffalo Bills staff for the first year uh, of that with Eric Dayball, this offensive coordinator. He stayed there one year. He went two years. Culley did with the Baltimore Ravens, and now he is now with the Houston Texans and uh, will be play calling and and uh, helping with the, they retain their offensive coordinator. So it's going to be exciting. Just and then Matt Nagy as well with the yeah, Bears. With the ba- yes, he came. He, from his, he's a quarterback pro- away from having a from having a pretty special group there. So he he's developing of his coaching tree too, uh, as Belichick did uh, and does. Uh, so, but we all really do like Andy Reid. Uh, you know, the thing that that we really like about him is he's personable. He, he he's quotable. Uh, he looks like what the walrus, you know. Yeah, he just looks fun, man. He wears uh, the shield, the big shield that that fogged up all half a season. Now he's into, he's got another look. He's got a, you know, he just does a lot of neat things. He, he's a very, um, uh, you know, he's out of the box guy all around. So you know, and he he hired Steve Spangola, uh, great defensive mind, and uh, he did a great job leading them to the Super Bowl last year and getting that victory. And this year, you know, he gets to go up against Tom Brady. Uh, you know how many times he had to face him when he was with up in the East with, with uh, the teams that he was with. He beat like him Real, with the Giants when he was defensive coordinator with the Giants, yes, right? I was going to – yes. Yeah. That was the season they had uh, – they were going after the undefeated season, and he was yeah. part of that staff. So just exciting, exciting uh, times for, for Andy Reid and – just he's been able to do and, and develop those guys. And, uh, you know, and, and uh, Tamu is a backup quarterback. Um, uh, the, the gentleman that handles our stretch and flex for sore athletic training, uh, Coach Les Whitley, one of his clients, one of the guys he trains is Jordan Tamu, the quarterback from Ole Miss. So we send a shout out to Les Whitley as he had a great day with us uh, this past Sunday in our sore athletic training. and. Uh, He's got a number of guys in NFL. He's got uh, uh, Eric uh, Knox, the big tight end from Buffalo Bills, Ole Miss, Brentwood Academy. He trains with Les Whitley as well. So 
hopefully Wes Whitley will have one of his first guys to, to get an NFL championship uh, with Jordan Tamu. So we're looking forward to hopefully he getting that championship. Well, let's talk about the game itself, uh, Craig. What you know when you look at when you look at it from Tampa Bay side, you know I think the world is uh, stacked in. Uh, I think seventy five to eighty percent of betters are are stacking uh, with the uh, Kansas City Chiefs, uh, and and rightfully so. They're extremely explosive and and can score po- points in bunches. But for this Tampa Bay Buccaneers team, what you know what what are some keys to their success? What do they have to do? to slow down Pat Mahomes in this offense? Well, I'll say this. You can't kick field goals. Uh, Buffalo saw that. Uh, you, If you're fourth and short, uh, you've got to go for it because there's been nobody to stop Kansas City. Even though Tampa Bay has an outstanding front seven, they are very, very good. But nobody's stopped Kansas City, so you've got to play for points. You got to play for seven every time you get the ball, and not play for the field goal. Uh, I think that's the key uh, for them for Tampa Bay. Uh, you know, I, I think you can't. You're not. You may slow down Kansas City for a little bit, and we've seen that recently. You know, they 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 fell behind to the Titans. Uh, in the uh, 2019 AFC Championship game, they fell behind the Bills just here recently in the AFC Championship game. But they seem to to they, click, they, and then they were down boom, ten here the they Super come, Bowl. and then it's just an onslaught. Yeah, they they were down ten in the Super Bowl last year, and yeah, it was the onslaught. So, yeah, I, I agree with you right there. They got to be aggressive, pedal to the metal. You know, their best defense is is an explosive offense in this scenario. I mean. You know, if you if you try to kick field goals and and you're moving fast, you know Mahomes and them that that that's like a that's like gasoline for them. So, uh, you know, also I, I think what they have to do <clears throat> is they're going to have to test Mahomes' toe, and they're going to have to you know Mahomes is not exactly hundred percent. I mean, he he's got a bad toe. He's beat up a little bit. He had that concussion issue. If I'm Tampa Bay. Even if they complete passes, I'm going to have to get shots on Mahomes and, and just kind of test his durability in this game, make him move around, uh, make him uncomfortable, make him throw under duress, put some put some heat on him. I mean, you know, Bruce Arians is the ultimate no-risk-it-no-biscuit guy. He, he's going to have to put that to the test here. I think so, Corey. And the big thing, too, is we all know now that both tackles from the Kansas City Chief, his left and right tackle, are going to be out. So you're going to look at guys that haven't had, had the reps this season like the other two guys did. So look for, you know, those guys, John Pierre, just just those guys really putting the heat on those tackles positions. So, you know, probably going to see Kansas City uh, do some tight ends, you know, probably keep the tight ends in, maybe chipping more, maybe keeping them in a little bit and, and uh, you know, and, and maybe even trying to get rid of the ball with some quick throws. But uh, the big thing is, I think you're exactly right. You've got to go. This is for the whole marbles. This is this is it. There are no more Sundays. This is the end of the game, end of the season. So you test everything you can. And like Craig said, I love it. You know, you're looking. It's fourth down territory the whole time. Tampa Bay's got the ball uh, unless they're inside their own thirty. You know, anything past their own thirty to the goal line, it's fourth down territory. And I think. If you go with that mindset and you got Tom Brady, you know, it could be one great 
Super Bowl game. But if you play conservative, you know, you want to play kickball, you know, I'll kick it back to you and we'll kick a field goal here or there. You're not going to beat Kansas City because they've got electricity ready to happen, you know, with their receivers, their running backs, uh, their tight end. And so it is a fourth down game for Tom Brady. Uh, I like that a lot. I think that's going to make it a competitive game. And let's please, let's double up Cheetah. Don't, don't let him go one-on-one. Uh, they did that the first time they played early in the season, I think. He, had, he, go for four? he had like 300 yards receiving, uh, receiving and like yeah. four yeah. touchdowns or something yeah. like that. It was In the first half or something. Yeah, something ridiculous. They got off the throttle, and you know they let uh, Tampa Bay kind of close the gap, but it was never really a game. So, that, you know, that's one good thing. The defensive coaches for Tampa Bay, they got a great staff. Uh, their defensive line coach, Craig Ladd, you know who that is. Got Casey Rogers. So if you want to talk about that guy, what what a, what an unbelievable coach! I'll let you elaborate on him. He's a Texas, Tennessee guy, and but just just outstanding staff. If you want to talk about some of their guys, let's love to hear about them. Well, you know he's been his name has come up as uh, the DC at, at Tennessee. You know, there's been all sorts of rumors of people his name has shown up there. But I mean, he's had an illust- uh, incredible NFL coaching career and has done very well in every stop he's made. Uh, you know, kid from small town Humboldt done well. Yeah, I think that's that would be awesome if they could get him at University of Tennessee defensive coordinator coming off a Super Bowl run if they were fortunate to win. Uh, but he, he's, got a, he's got his defensive line playing top-shelf football, and that's a compliment to him and those guys in that room to respect him. And uh, you know, it's always great when we see a guy from the big orange country doing great things in the NFL, and, uh, and I'm sure he's going to get highlighted Sunday. But you're right, Craig, fourth down territory – and Corey, you know, you called it. Uh, it's going to be electric with with the play designs and all the things that Kansas City is going to do. And and look for, you know, like you said, no risk it, no biscuit. Look for Bruce Aarons. You know, he he would be, I think, the oldest coach as a head coach to win a Super Bowl. He's won a couple. He was two time champion, I guess, with the Pittsburgh Steelers, if I'm right, when his when he was there with Roethlisberger. Uh, so he he's been success in the big show. So. We're a very exciting time. Great to see these coaches uh, 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 have a chance. Uh, and we all, we all thought these were the best two teams, and, uh, and they proved us all right that they were the best two teams, and they made the run at the right time. And Exciting times to watch them both get to play, man. Yeah, also I think for uh, – you know, also I think for, for, for Tampa Bay is they've got to figure out a way to shut down the middle of the field and force – Kansas City run horizontally. I, I think if you can hem them in and, and force them to make too many moves and run horizontally, I, I think you you give yourself a big chance too, uh, because where they kill you is, you know, you pay so much attention to Tyreek Hill or Miko Hardman or Sammy Watkins, you forget about Travis Kelsey, and and he just kind of, and he's he is elite. What makes him elite is his ability to find grass. He can he can. He, his ability to adjust routes, find grass, and understand coverage pre-snap and adjust on the fly is outstanding. And the fact that he can do that and Patrick Mahomes is on the same page with him makes that a lethal combination. So Tampa Bay is going to have to figure out a way to to um, 
make it difficult for Kelsey to get off the line. They're going to have to shut down the middle of the field. And they're going to have to force him to, you know, run into coverage and, and you know do things that are you know play a little bit more physical brand of football, which they will do. Uh, it's just a matter of how Travis Kelsey will respond because he can get frustrated a little bit, and they can they can uh, they can ruffle 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 his feathers a little bit too as well uh, when he comes off the line. So for for Tampa, they just got to you know they're gonna have to make tackles in space. That's just you know any any team that plays Kansas City, they force you to make tackles in space, and 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 uh, they put you on an island, and they're gonna have to. You know, Tampa Bay is going to have to figure out whatever game plan they used the first time they played them, throw that one out, and uh, start over. So Todd Bowles has got his work cut out for him as defensive coordinator. So I'm excited to see what they can do. Kansas City offensively, um, you know, stretch the field. You know, get get find ways to get Tyreek vertical crossing the field um, and, and trying, to f- trying to figure out getting – moving him around the formations, getting him matched up on, on – uh, on safeties, if if that's possible, uh, try to try to get him in positions where he can shake double teams, things like that, because they're going to bracket him all all night long. That's probably going to be be pretty obvious. So uh, I'm excited to kind of see what they what they do offensively. Tampa Bay uh, offensively, I think they need to take their shots, but also I, I think they need to uh, figure out a way to run the ball. Teams haven't been successful running the ball. The Cleveland Browns what uh, was the team that comes in. Uh, really, really good at a rushing attack. Couldn't get anything going on the ground for the most part. Uh, Tampa Bay is going to have to figure out a way to do that. And if they can, they'll have some success and they'll open up some of the passing game stuff. So uh, what does Tampa Bay offensively have to do? I would say the Tampa Bay offense, they're going to have to, uh, like Craig Ladd talked about earlier, fourth down, it's fourth down every time you have the ball. Once you move, past your own 30, 30 yard line and you're moving, you've got to have that fourth down mentality and uh, be willing to go for it and be willing to know if you if you run the ball on third down that you're probably going to go for it on fourth down. So give your chance. Uh, you've got the the goat uh, at quarterback. So give him give him as many plays as you can to win a Super Bowl. That's what I would say to my offensive staff. I would say to the offensive players We've got some guys returning on defense. Uh, we shored up our defensive line, uh, you know, with Namath and Sue playing, and uh, uh, they got the gentleman back, uh, uh, the big defensive lineman for Tampa Bay's name going blank right now. Uh, he's back from a broken leg early in the preseason. Uh, so they've got him back. So that, that helps you knowing that you've got some, some guys that can do some things against the Chiefs that you didn't have the first time. But knowing that on fourth down, we're going to be giving our guy, Tom Brady, another snap. And I think that that in itself, that mindset will really help uh, the Tampa Bay offense. And got Fournette, and you've got some guys there. Uh, it looks like uh, uh, the, uh, Brown, the receiver, is getting, his, getting back healthy, uh, who's been a, a, a big target for Tom Brady. And Gronkowski, he's waited for this time to, to make another big – Big shout out to him, uh, uh, you know, just the big receiver uh, for for Tampa Bay, number thirteen from Texas A and M. Just Evans. a big target, Mike Evans down down going in. I think he's going to be hard to guard. And then um, I think uh, Tom Brady calls him a scooter, uh, Scotty uh, the 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 slot receiver. He's Scotty actually Miller. had his best season ever. Yeah, they, I think he calls him scooters. Yeah, they created so. quite a, a relationship early in the early in the 
it's COVID time. They were getting written up by the NFL because they were meeting, uh, uh, you know, uh, Tom Brady would have his shoulder pads and his helmet, and they would meet at a local high school, I think it was. And so they really got a repertoire going between those two guys. So offensively, you know, you've got the GOAT. You've got a great coach, Bruce Arians. He's got great play callers, Cole Pepper. He's got some guys uh, around that uh, offensive staff that are ready. Uh, he's got uh, Rick Christopher. He's an Austin P guy. Uh, we know him uh, very, very well. Coached with Watson Brown in a number of places at Cincinnati, at Vanderbilt. Was a head coach at Austin P. So we're looking forward to him getting a, a, a Super Bowl ring. Uh, he coaches the tight ends for uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Uh, so it's exciting for him. So I think you go in like Craig Ladd. I think that's the offensive game plan. You've got fourth down. you got the GOAT. Uh, let's, let's go win the game. Don't try to, don't try to, uh, uh, be conservative. Don't try to, uh, kick a field goal, uh, go for the victory, get the victory, win the game. Cause you know, Kansas city is going to spread the field. They're going to make huge plays. So just going to be exciting. I, I think we're dead on what we're saying as far as what they should and could be doing. And hopefully they'll do these things. And it's only a three point swing, uh, is for the, is, is what the, the spread is like you said, Corey, 75, 80% are going with Kansas city. So, uh, I think if I was a betting person and I might be, I think I'm going to go with the goat and say, Hey, uh, if, if Bruce Aarons will really do what he knows he can do and let the goat do what we know he can do and win that seventh, uh, Super Bowl championship be exciting day. What a great game. We got to looking forward to Craig. What's your pick? Well, you know, I I like Kansas City, and I'm willing to lay the three. I was a little hesitant. It made me double take when uh, uh, last week when it was reported that someone had bet $2.3 million on Tampa Bay. So it made me think, well, what's this guy know that I don't know? That's a lot of that's a lot of coin to be laying down on a football game on a particular team, but I'm still gonna uh, you know what I, I'm hanging with the Chiefs until somebody uh, proves to me that they can beat them. I, I'm st- I'm taking the Chiefs. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you, Craig. They're just too overwhelming. I, I think off- offensively they can beat you so many different ways. I think it, it's going to be a lot like what the game was earlier this year. I, I just think Tampa Bay. They're good in a lot of areas, but I just don't think they're a team that when you have – like picture a boxer and, and picture a boxing match and you have one guy just you know landing a flurry of combos on, on the other guy and the other guy doesn't have time to recover. The next thing you know, he's on the canvas and they're, they're doing the 10 count. I think that's what's going to happen to Tampa Bay. I mean, that's what Kansas City is. They're that fighter that just throws combo after combo after combo and does not let you recover. And then when you get knocked down and you get back up, they're right back on you. They're a team that's it as uh, who was it? Uh, Dan Campbell said, "All gas, no brakes." Or Robert Sala said, "All gas, no brakes." That's Kansas City right there. That's you know a lot of people say it, they live it, and I, that's why I think they're going to win this game. They're going to cover, uh, and and I think they're going to hit the over at fifty six as well. So um, let's talk Super Bowl. Let's talk props. You want to talk prop bets? These are always fun. Um, heads, heads. Okay, so <laughs> let's see what let, the uh, two point three million on heads. Was not in, he was not in the. He was not. Vita Vey is the guy that I am saying is going to make a difference in this Super. Bowl. He was not in the first game. I think we get a push 
as a nose tackle. Vita Vea. This is an old quarterback saying this now. This guy's going to okay. make a difference. And if we can get get that guy playing, I, th- I think he's going to step up, and I think he's going to be worthy of making some plays. I just think the GOAT, I think Tom Brady, I think he does it. I just hope Craig Ladd, I just hope Bruce Aarons has listened to our podcast and makes it makes it happen. It goes <laughs> forward on many multiple fourth downs. And if he does that, I think we're going to have things happening. Antonio Wingfield looks like he's going to be able to play. I love our inside linebacker play with Devin White. Uh, but Vita, yeah, that's the guy. I couldn't remember that guy's name. I Vita love him Vey. as a player. Yeah. Humongous in the middle. From Utah. Yes, I love him. So, and, uh, yes, what a big what a big man in the middle. We didn't have him before as the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And uh, and I, I love for the Buccaneers to win. Uh, one of the dearest friends I've got in this world is Brad Johnson. And I know he's the past champion in Super Bowl uh, quarterbacking for Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So, like for uh, Tom Brady and him to be mentioned the same sentence as both Tampa Bay Buccaneers Super Bowl champion winning quarterback. So hopefully that'll happen. But let's talk the props, Corey. Let's keep it moving. Here's an interesting prop here. Any scoring drive that's less time than the anthem length. Wow. So that would be under three minutes or? The over-under is one minute, 57 seconds for the anthem this year. Oh wow! One minute. Who's singing the anthem? I believe it's Jasmine Sullivan. Okay. Who on on Bet Online? There's this. There's a prop. I'm I'm not making this up. Jasmine Sullivan show cleavage during the anthem. Okay. The yes is minus one sixty five on the money line, and no is plus one twenty five. So. <laughs> She must show a lot of cleavage. I don't know much about Jasmine. I'll Sullivan. leave that one alone. <laughs> my, my wife may be listening, so I'll, I'll stay away from that man. <laughs> we, we, I can't. <laughs> if I'm rooting for someone for some woman to disrobe in the Super Bowl, that would be kind of a hint, wouldn't it? <laughs> yeah, it would be right. Um, let's see. First so, half field so goals over under one and a half. What, Kurt? I was just going to say the the the, uh, the the time of possession under one fifty six. Yeah, for a scoring drive. So it would have to be basically – In the first half or or the whole game? Whole game. Any scoring drive. Whole game. And it's saying if two or more or – It's saying – it's asking if you think there's going to be any scoring drive in the game that uh, doesn't – that is quicker than the anthem. Yes. I'd say we have – at least three of those, maybe two, maybe two or at least three. Yes, I think you're gonna have yes. one for sure. They probably have one before before half, and you probably have one uh, or two at the end of the game. You know, Miko Harmon's liable to run back a a, a punt. Uh, let's see what else. Uh, f- first half field goals over under one point five, one and a half. It's really the same money line, so, so two, it doesn't matter. So two. two. I'm gonna two. go over on that one. No. I think the end of the half will will get a couple. Okay. Uh any any team to score in the last two minutes of the half? First half. Is somebody gonna score in the last two minutes? Yes. Yes. Okay, that's minus four hundred, so obviously that's gonna happen. Uh first half winning margin. So you have uh a whole bunch of them. You have uh, 
either team, okay, I'll just say the the range is four to six, one to three, seven to nine, uh, and ten to twelve. So you have the biggest payout four to six. Four the to biggest six. payout, the biggest odds is Tampa Bay by four to six and Tampa Bay by ten to twelve. They're both plus twelve hundred in on the money line. So let's just say Tampa Bay gets up on a let's just say Tampa Bay pulls a uh, San Francisco 49ers and gets up by ten at the end of the first half. Payout. Big money, big money. Uh, first half touchdowns uh, by either team is the over-unders at one and a half for each team. That's interesting. So two, yes. I'd say yes for both teams. I think All both right. teams will score twice. Yeah, touchdowns. I agree with that. Um, maybe, maybe, maybe one field goal. I could see three three touchdowns and two field goal, two, two touchdowns and a field goal, maybe twenty one to seventeen at the half, Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Okay. Um, here's some cross sport prop bets. What will be higher? Total points in the Super Bowl or Joe Biden's approval rating on February seventh? <laughs> On February, uh, so they're going to do it on 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 Sunday. They will look at Biden's approval yeah. rating. Yeah, for that for that particular bet, and it's either going to be more points scored in the Super Bowl or Joe Biden's approval rating. Um, what will be higher? Accepted penalties in the Super Bowl or total corners in the Liverpool versus Manchester City match? Corner kicks. Yep. Oh man. Um, hmm. I don't know. I'm. I'm going to say both of them were. It was ten and eighteen penalties the last time they played. So it was eighteen penalties. Yeah. I'm going to say the penalties. Yeah, I'm going to say penalties. I don't think you get. I don't. Th- I don't think you get that cleaned up in this game. I think. I think. Uh, no, with Mahomes, the way he draws them off, and where where Braden does it. I mean, Brady does it. I just see you know penalties happening, being part of the game. Guys are. Guys are, you know, there is no tomorrow, so they're going to play wide open. So, yeah, I say more penalties than corners. Oh, here, here you go. Here, here's one that's funny. Uh, which will be higher, Tom Brady's pass completions or the total first first quarter points by the New York Knicks? I'm going with who, who do who the Knicks playing? play? That's a good. That's a good point. I'd I don't think it matters. <laughs> yeah. I, I would take Brady on that. Against the Knicks. Yeah, I would too. Yeah, there's, uh, there's no more uh, Clyde Frazier and uh, Willis Reed and Dave DeBusher, so I, I'm going with Brady. Yeah, there's like a m- list of a million uh, of these different things. Like there's one, uh, Jason Pierre-Paul's tackles and assists versus Jason Pierre-Paul's fingers on his right hand. It's, that's kind of that's, mm, it's kind that's of a kind of- yeah, it's kind of a low kind blow. Of a isn't it? <laughs> it's kind of a low blow. Uh, <laughs> what'll be higher? Uh, total well, points for Super Bowl Fifty Two or Super Bowl Fifty Five? And what was the total for Fifty Two? Fifty Two was the Atlanta and uh, I think England? it was the year before that one. Who played before the okay. 
Was that Peyton Manning versus, uh, I think it was Peyton Manning versus the Panthers. It was 52. Oh, wow. Okay. No, okay. that was 50. That was 50. So, huh. So this was th- this it was a lot, lot of interesting pick, a lot of interesting thing with the the bet online, the props. Yeah. yeah so go on really, bet online. Really, really neat. Yeah. Really neat. So yeah, go on betonline.ag. Uh, look at these props. It's pretty cool. There's also a competition you can do. I think it's like a, a free competition where there's cash prizes. You pick props and point spreads and stuff like that. So, uh, but guys, this gonna you know we we've, we've been uh, this is this has been kind of a, a an epic show. So we're gonna we're gonna get off here. We're gonna wrap up, guys. Uh, I'll start. By with the way, you. by the way, Super Bowl Fifty Two was the Eagles forty one, New England thirty three. So seventy four ah. points. Okay. All right. All right. All right. Wow. Uh, I might take total points in this one. Maybe. All right. So, Craig, do you have any final words for for us as we wrap up? Well, enjoy your Super Bowl. Uh, you know, I, I'm going to socially distance uh, for this Super Bowl as much as I don't want to do it because it's one of my favorite things to do is to get together with friends and eat a lot of bad food, uh, bad for me food, good food, but bad for me food. And, uh, Watch the Super Bowl. I think it'll be me, the two dogs, the wife, the two donkeys, and the horse. They can't get the, COVID. All in the living room. Yes, all in the living room. Kurt? Well, just, just excited that uh, we've made it to the finish line, you know. Just thankful and grateful that the National Football League has made it this far. And uh, just looking for the best two teams to play. Um, you know, probably going to spend the day in the white sandy beaches at Orange Beach on Sunday and then get back to the condo that night and watch the game and uh, just just waiting to see two quarterbacks to play. I just want them to play their best game of their season and love to see the best game of their career. So excited about that uh, as we wrap up the season there. But coaching chatter, you know, we've had a lot of stuff we talked about tonight and a lot of stuff that we'll be talking about in the future with all the different moves and, and the things that are going to be happening through all the coaching staffs and coaching chatter. So and I know, Corey, uh, we had a great camp this past weekend. Camp number two was sore athletic training. We did. And uh, had, 80, had 85 campers. The first camp we had 86. So uh, we're averaging 85.5. So – Imagine really, what what's going to be when the weather's actually good. Yes, and and these are these have been you're exactly right. Wet, damp weather conditions, and uh, we've got a, str- a really strong pool of talent, uh, rising uh, uh, eighth graders and seventh graders that are really uh, uh, you know improving, and uh, we're looking to develop those guys into seven on seven coming up and and getting some competition going. So, soar athletic training, you know, they're sponsoring the podcast here. And uh, and then they're also making a big reach, uh, developing these young young guys uh, from uh, from from young boys to men, and the staff that we put together has just been remarkable. And uh, just looking to continue to grow everything we're doing. And uh, so this coaching chatter podcast is just a, a small piece of it, but we do like talking about uh, all the different staffs that we know about and everything that we see and sharing our knowledge. So 
Thank you, Corey. Thank you, Craig. I know y'all are part of the SOAR Athletic team, both of you guys, and, and I'm proud just to be a member of it too. So just excited about everything we've, we've got to talk about tonight and everything we're going to get to talk about in the future. Well, no doubt, man. And that, that camp was a, it was a great turnout, great kids. The kids were awesome. Uh, they, they, the spirit that they have and, and the willingness to learn, it was, was nothing short of incredible. So I'm looking forward to what the, the future holds for sore athletic training. When the, when the summer months roll around, those, those camps are going to grow. Uh, when, when you get a little bit better weather, those, those camps will naturally grow and, and everything that comes with these things with the seven on sevens, the, the, the individual training and, and, and the big, the big camps, uh, all that blended together is going to be going to be a great recipe for success. Um, maybe we'll maybe we'll write a book. Uh, maybe we'll, uh, and then of course this podcast will flourish as well. So, uh, for Kurt and Craig, I'm Corey. This is the Coaching Chatter Podcast, brought to you by Soar Athletic Training and the hometown team of Keller Williams Realty here in Wilson County. Uh, Want to thank you guys for listening. We hope you enjoyed it, and. Uh, Good luck in the Super Bowl. Have fun with whatever you do. Be safe, as always, and uh, have a great weekend. We'll see you back here next week, and uh, we'll talk to you then. Goodbye. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you. With professional-grade industrial supplies, count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.